As I said, open your Bibles to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 8. I'm going to read the passage this morning, as is our pattern. Uh, just six verses today. Can you believe it? We should be out of here in 17 minutes. No, that's not going to happen. Oh, I'm not supposed to make myself laugh. Uh, let me read the passage, and then we're going to pray one more time, and then we'll dive in today. These are the words of Jesus recorded by Luke. And he says, beginning in verse 16, no one after lighting a lamp, covers it with a jar or puts it under a bed, but puts it on a stand so that those who enter may see the light. For nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light. Take care then how you hear. For the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he thinks he has will be taken away. Then his mother and his brothers came to him, but they could not reach him because of the crowd. And he was told, your mother and your brothers are standing outside desiring to see you. But he answered, my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. Pray with me again, would you? Heavenly Father, thank you for this word. Thank you for this text, Lord Jesus. Thank you for your teaching. I pray today that we would hear you. We would hear you. Like we did last week, Lord, we would hear you speaking today. So, Holy Spirit, we need your help. We need your help to move past me, uh, someone speaking, and hear you directly. And I pray this in Jesus' worthy name. Amen. So as I was preparing and thinking about this passage for today, an idea came to my mind. And so I have some questions, as I normally do, and it starts this way. And again, I, I'm the one with the t-shirt here, okay? So please don't think that I'm pointing at anybody in this room. But let me ask you this question. Do you have any problem at all finishing things? You know? Do you have some DIY projects around your home where you get started, you know, down one little path, and then you're like, yeah, I don't have time to finish that. I, oh, there's this, right? And then you get going on that, and then, and then there's something else. You know, you, you just you, you see that, whatever. You know, years ago, I used to love watching, um, I forget the name of the show, but it was Tim the Toolman Taylor. Remember that guy? You know, a very funny show, all the rest of it. I identify with that man, okay? Because one of the things that he was really good at was demo. <laughs> Demolition. And my wife would say, please don't watch that show anymore. <laughs> Glenn, please. See, because what I would do is I would go, yes, the bathroom needs to be renovated. And I would attack it and tear it apart, and then I would go, yeah, I'll get back to that. <laughs> Anybody got a problem like that? In our house in Langley, before we moved here, there was a, it was, it was, it was people would come and visit, and, and I had torn up the floor in the foyer as you came in, because it was a problem. It, it wasn't level and so forth, and then it bothered me, and so I tore it up, and it stayed that way for 18 months. Janice started drawing things on the concrete there to, to kind of encourage me to finish it, right? And people would come and go, what is that? It was embarrassing, but I still had other projects that were on my mind, so that's the way to... So, so anybody like that, seriously? Come on. Right? Am I the only one with the t-shirt? But it's, it's more than DIY projects, isn't it? 
it, it can be that about all of the wonderful things that we can do in this community, right? So, so you go online and you get a new-to-you mountain bike because you live in Squamish and you've got to be a mountain biker, right? Or road bike, which is more difficult, but you get or new running shoes or a treadmill because you need that for 10 months of the year if you want to run in Squamish, right? And on and on it goes. And you get this, skis, cross-country. I bought brand-new cross-country skis, boots, and poles last year. Why? Because got a really good deal. Haven't been out yet. Somebody really wants me to go with them this year. But, you know, you can do that, right? Or you can get into, like, the best ever, largest TV ever. Because why? Well, because this year I'm going to root for the Canucks. Losing battle, but you're going to root for the Canucks, right? On and on it goes. And Or, you know, like, we're going to get that RV. Not really thinking of it. Like, I've been through those kind of things, right? You know, we get all these different things, and it's the same thing. You know, we, we get into something, we get started. Yes, I'm going to run. Yes, I'm going to do exercises. Yes, I'm going to bike. Yes, I'm going to swim. Yeah, whatever it might be. I'm going to learn guitar, right? So you buy a guitar. You get started, but finishing's a problem sometimes, isn't it? Come on. It becomes a problem. I think we, we, we should basically look at it this way. It's, it can become a pattern for some of us, right? You have to get over those patterns where we start and, and, and then we don't finish. And then you know what happens after a while? It, it becomes a confidence issue, doesn't it? It's like, I don't know, I don't know if I will ever finish that or anything. It can become a pattern, and it can really, really bind us up in anything, in any discipline of life, but specifically today, spiritually. Finishing is a big deal. And so that's where we're at in this passage today in the parable of the sower. Jesus has been speaking exactly about these kinds of people whose soil's hearts are shallow and divided. Right? We looked at that last week. We remember that from last week. The sower, Jesus, he casts his seed, his word, and some of it fell into this rocky soil, right? And this soil is only like a foot, foot and a half deep, and then there's bedrock below it. And so at first, this seed takes off, it starts to grow. And of course, that represents these people who, who come to church, and they're like, at first, they hear about Jesus and the free gift of salvation, and they, they love the worship music, and they're like, yeah, like they're there every Sunday, they get a Bible, they start reading it, Right? Three to six months later, it's like, hmm, yeah, no, I, I don't know. I just, it's just not doing, any, it's not doing anything for me. It's not what I expected. And it just, there's no root. It doesn't take root. And actually, when it starts to get like a little bit of a challenge, and if you've had the problem with finishing, and, and this is now becoming more work than you thought it was going to be, this faith thing, this following Jesus thing, it can just dry up. But there's no worries, really, when you think about it. There's lots of other choices, right? How many other religions and philosophies and way of life are there out there? I mean, I could spend 40 years, like Solomon did, just checking them all out. And if it doesn't work for me, well, I don't have to finish that. But this is what Jesus is getting at, actually, here today in this passage. We also looked at, you know, the thorny soil. These are the, the, the hearts uh, growing alongside of it as they first hear the Word of God and they first hear about salvation. What happens, however, with them is at the moment that they are beginning to believe and leaning in and growing in their faith, alongside of them are thorns growing up alongside of them. And often, the, these, these thorns are, and, and I'm sorry to put it this way, but it happened to me. I, I gave you my own personal experience last week on that with my own friends. Oftentimes, it's old friends, 
people who were living a certain way that you were living before you came to faith in Christ, oftentimes it's not just old friends. It can be family members who don't believe in Jesus, and they don't want you to believe in Jesus and follow Jesus, and it can choke that out of you. These people start the journey well, but as Jesus said, they don't finish the race. Why? Well, they're double-minded. They've got one foot in the world and one foot in Jesus and the church, and it really, he said, comes down to they don't finish the race because the cares, riches, and pleasures of this life are much more important to them. And so they don't finish the race of faith with Jesus Christ. Then Jesus turned his attention, of course, to the good soil, which I would hope every one of us in this room or listening wants to be. We want to be the good seed, the soil. These, people who, these are the people who hold, hear the Word of God, and they hold it tight. They, they hear it, and they go, oh, this is gold, I, but I need to hold on to it because like everything else that I've started and not finished, this I need to hold on to. They hold it tight because they, they don't want to lose it, and they're the ones who will eventually bear much fruit, a hundredfold, he says, which is a really, really good harvest. Amen? It's a pretty good harvest. Yes? Somebody say. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Jenna said to me after listening to a podcast last week, you know, you, you, you say that, amen, and then you don't ask anyone to say it. Like, like. So I just did. But there was this key that Jesus gave, right? The key was this, patience, which means is we need perseverance. This Christian life is not a cakewalk. It's not for the weak at heart. It's not for those who won't finish what they start. The good news is we have help. So here's what Luke does right after the parable of the sower. It's interesting. He adds these two little postscript stories. Most commentators believe that they don't follow exactly on, well, maybe the first part does, exactly on after the parable of the sower because Matthew and Mark, they, they place them in different places. But Luke, again, remember this. He is trying to put together an orderly account so that his good friend, a fellow pagan skeptic, used to be now follower of Jesus, Theophilus, will have certainty about his faith in Jesus and that he will finish the race. And so he puts in these two little postscript stories here. And, and we also need to see this. I didn't mention this last week, but there's this great crowd, right? And, and Jesus actually, when this crowd, Matthew and Mark both bring it out, were pressing alongside of him. He, he was on a beach. He was walking by the sea, and he decided to go out into a boat. And that's where he actually preaches this parable of the sower. But it's interesting because once he gets to the, the soil part, it's very important, the good soil part, pardon me, it's good and important for us to see that he's speaking directly to his disciples. He does this often in the Gospel of Luke, where the crowds are there, and then he'll pull aside, and he'll say to his disciples, those who are part of the good soil, look, look this is for you, okay? I, I really want to speak this into you because I want to help you finish the race. And that's what he does here, to be fruitful. So you'll remember from last week that Jesus' key point was in the midst of the parable of the sower, right? He gives the parable, and then he calls out. Remember those words? I'll put them on screen for you. He calls out, he who has ears to hear, let him hear from the boat to the crowd. And so we learned the point last week was this. Please listen to me. 
all of you. I'm casting my seed into every bit of soil, even to those who I know will reject my message, will reject me, will reject salvation, will reject God, but I still love you and I'm casting the seed to all of you. Listen. That was the key to this passage. He wanted them to listen, wants you to listen, not to me, but to him and to his word. And so he, he appealed to the crowd and all of those to listen to him. Well, and again, we asked why last week. Well, because it's, this is almost two years in now. He's been saying the same thing. Repent, for the kingdom of God is here. Judgment is coming. There's a narrow gate, a wide path. One leads to destruction, one to eternal life and forgiveness and freedom in God. I remember last week or Tuesday when I was speaking to these young men and women in the philosophy of religion class at Quest University, I said to them, you do realize that 10,000 years from now, spiritually, you will still be alive. (laughs) The looks on most faces were, yeah, I don't think so. He who has ears, let him hear. So now Jesus pulls aside And at this particular time, in this particular story that we just read, he's probably in a home in Capernaum, just close to the sea, and and he's speaking to his disciples, leaning into them. These are the ones who have heard. They're now saying, yeah, we're in, we're believing, we're following you. When are you going to make your kingdom appear? They don't know the whole story yet. He does. And he wants to reveal it to them. But he tells us in this passage again today what the key idea is to them now. And this is what's important for you and I to hear today. So the meaning and really the key to this passage is found in chapter 8, verse 18, where Jesus says this, take care then, look at these words, how you hear. It's not just about listening. It's about how you hear. For the one who has, more will be given. And from the woman who has not, even what he thinks he has will be taken away. We'll come back to it a little later, but look at this. Let me, let me put it this way. So it's more than about listening, right? Or hearing. I think some of you, listen, I think most of you are pretty good at listening and hearing. I, I see it every, every Sunday. You're doing that right now, right? And, and, and usually, though, however, when I say, open your Bibles, please, and you can grab some note-taking paper at the back, and you could take notes about this message that you're hearing right now, most of you are going, yeah, I'm all right. I'll just listen. Can I encourage you today to listen to Jesus on that subject? And not me, because you're not listening to me, most of you. Or not. We're good at listening. But Jesus is going to appeal to us today. It's about how to hear. So I'm going to show you four ways in these six verses that Jesus teaches us today how we're to hear, how we're actually to hear, what our heart attitude is supposed to be when we come to hear his word if, if what we want is more of Christ, to grow in our faith with him and finish this race of life and hear the words when we face him when we're done. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. I'm pretty sure those words will be in the King James. Number one, we need to hear like a missionary. When we're listening and hearing God's Word, we need to hear like a missionary. Look at the first verse again. No one after lighting a lamp covers it with 
a jar or puts it under a bed, but puts it on a stand so that those who enter may see it. Now, again, put yourself in the position of the disciples who are sitting there in front of Jesus in this home, you know, like there's a fire, you know, like there's probably some red wine, they're relaxing, right? And he's like, and he just tells them this and it's like, Jesus, that's a, okay, obvious, you know, like if, if you're going to light a lamp, like you don't, put, you don't put a jar over it or a basket as some of the other uh, writers in the, of the Gospels, Matthew and Mark call it. Um, I mean, if you do that, I mean, the oxygen's going to burn out and it's going to cause it to go out right? And, and putting it under a bed, I mean, how's that going to light the room? That's not going to be very helpful. And not only that, you could burn the bed, right? Like, you could start a fire. So, I mean, the illustration, they're looking at it, and they're just like the crowds, right? They're probably going, okay, great, we get it. A lamp is for light. It would be dumb to snuff it out or to put it under a bed. What's your point? I'm sure most of them were very respectful, and they were just quiet and not saying anything, like all of you right now. And just waiting for Jesus to explain himself. But I am pretty sure that they were not ready for what he was going to say. Actually, what Jesus is doing is obviously he's comparing them, the ones in the good soil, to lights. Or at least he's doing this. He's saying part of your new identity is you are light. Sermon on the Mount, chapter 5, Matthew. You are salt. You are light. You are the light of this world. Go! So this is almost like, this is like the, the Great Commission before the Great Commission in Matthew 28, isn't it? Go into all the world and make disciples, baptizing them. This is right here. This is the beginning of his calling people to their new identity in him to be missionaries, to go into this world. So you've heard the good news, really, these people have heard the good news about my ministry, Jesus is saying. I came to bring you out of the kingdom of darkness and into the marvelous light. I am the light of the world. I'm inviting you to be in light with me, but I'm also sending you into this world. I mean, why would you, when I give you this light, when I give you my light, the word, I give you salvation, why, why would you hide it? Why would you be afraid to go to Quest and speak to them about me? Why would you be, able to be afraid to talk to your coworkers, the people in the street, about me and about the light? That is, by the way, putting a bushel over it, snuffing it out, putting it under the bed, isn't it? It's the same thing. You must put it on a stand in the marketplace, in your world, and I love the way Matthew concludes what Jesus said. Let your light shine. This is Jesus' conclusion to this in Matthew. Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So this is not a suggestion. This is a command. Go. Be light in this world. And so that's how Matthew records it and, and, and with that conclusion. So look, to do that, Jesus says this. You need to go. You need to be a missionary. And so listen. That's how you are to hear the Word preached every Sunday. You should be listening to the Word, and, and you should be listening, you should be hearing with the heart of a missionary, and you should be going, okay, okay, so yeah, like what, like what the Word just said, oh, I got it. The Word just said something to me about how that I need to go, but also, you know, the preacher's illustration or the Word itself just says, and, and when you go, here's what you do. I need to mark that down. So you need to hear with the heart of a missionary. You need to listen with the heart of a missionary. Number two, 
we need to hear with integrity. Remember how Jesus described when he described the good soil in the parable itself? He said, with an honest heart, right? So number two, we need to hear with integrity. Verse 17 says this, for nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light. So wait, he's taking this in a bit of a different direction, I want to suggest to you. And probably, again, they're not sure where he's going. So, so it looks like Jesus is saying something like this. Now, this lamp here is not just for providing light to the room, but it's for something else too. I mean, the point that when Jesus says you need to light, you need to put light into a situation, he's basically saying that there is darkness. That's how your Bibles begin, by the way. The whole world is in darkness. The whole point of the beginning of the gospel is found in Genesis 1. And God said, let there be light. Everything about Jesus, everything about God is bringing light into darkness. It's a beautiful picture here. But here's the thing. I'm sure they were puzzled, as maybe some of you and I are sometimes, what Jesus is getting at. And, and, and clearly saying there is something that is hidden, that is kept secret, what loves the, what, let me ask you this, what a, loves the darkness more than the light? Anybody know their flannel graph Sunday school answers? What loves the darkness more than the light? Three-letter word, sin. Sin loves the darkness more than the light. So secondly, we need to hear with integrity, and that means being fully, fully honest about our own sin if we want to grow, be fruitful, and finish well. So as we listen to the Word preached, read, and taught, we allow the Holy Spirit to do His work in us, right? You'll all remember Acts chapter 2. Amazing story, right? Jesus said, wait for the Holy Spirit to come upon you on, with power, and, and that'll be the beginning of the church, etc. Peter the one who denied Jesus three times, preaches this amazing sermon to all those who are there. And it's a sermon about your sin, your sinful nature. All of us put Jesus on the cross. He took it. You're guilty. It's not, it's not a, you know, it's not a prosperity gospel. It's not a soft message. It's pretty, what happened to those people who heard that preaching on that day? Do you remember the words? They were cut to the heart. That's the work of the Word. That's the work of the seed that's supposed to happen in our lives. And it's about integrity. And so we, we need to arrive at church and go, okay, I, I know this preacher, but better, I know the Word of God. And if, if it's read with integrity, it's going to expose some hidden things in my life. I need to make some notes about that because when it comes time to pray and examine myself before we take communion today, I need to deal with that. So we need to come and hear with integrity for our own personal sake. But friends, listen, come on. It's about how we go too, isn't it? What does the world think about most Christians? What is that one word that describes us badly in the culture? Hypocrites. Oh yeah, pretty holy on Sunday. When they go to church, right? Yeah, get all dressed up. Well, some of us. And, you know, and, 
you know, they, they, they look really good, but then Monday to Saturday, just live like everybody else. There's no change. There's, there's nothing happening. On the other hand, can you imagine if they're like, you, you what? You, you were at church on Sunday and something you heard made you realize that there's some sin in your life that you just haven't been willing to deal with and, and you, you did deal with and you just told me what it is? Can you imagine how that might change the opinion of those in our world about us? About Him and what He has done for us? So we need to listen with harvest hearts and we need to listen, we need to hear with integrity. Thirdly, we need to hear with a harvest heart. I love this in the sense that it's about, when I'm coming here because, okay, I realize I am a missionary, not, not just those people who go overseas, I'm supposed to be a missionary, I'm also supposed to be a person of integrity, and, and so my, my friends in the church, my wife, my husband, my kids, my coworkers, everyone should know that I'm not perfect, and, and I've confessed this, and I'm dealing with it, and I need your help with it, but I'm going, but also I've got this, you know what, I... I want to see fruit. I want to see people come to Jesus. I want to see a harvest today in my life, not just at the end, the harvest that Jesus is going to have. I want to see it today in Squamish, in the life of our church. Verse 18 says this, again, coming back to this verse, take care then how you hear, for the one who has, more will be given, and for the one who has not, even what he thinks he has will be taken away. This is a great illustration here, and it has to do with having a harvest heart. So now we arrive back at this key verse, but the real part that I want you to lean on is that last part, for to the one who has, more will be given, and from the one who has not, even what he thinks that he has will be taken away. So you'll remember again this past summer we did a short mini-series a couple of weeks called The Gift of Summer, right? And we learned in that series that, yeah, so, so in, in, in the spring we, we plant seeds because, yeah, that's good, and then we plant seeds in the spring. Why? Like what was the main reason for that? Well, because... We're hoping in September, you know, with all the heat and the, the rain will come back, we're going to have a harvest. We're going to have, like, tomatoes. We're going to have vegetables. We're going to have fruit. It's going to be awesome. But then we also discovered that the summer had a purpose too, right? The summer wasn't just for taking vacay and lying back and taking it easy. The summer was for growth. And so we saw that, and we learned last week, that the goal of every sower, Jesus is sending you and I to be sowers. The goal is fruit, is a harvest. But how does one ever develop a heart for the harvest? How do you do that? When I was a little guy, most of you know my, some of my story. I talk about hockey. It's Canucks season coming up, so I'm going to talk about hockey. I, I, I loved hockey growing up. I was a hockey player, right? But I'll be really honest with you. When I, when I first, my dad put skates on me in the backyard because it was Toronto. It freezes there. And I was skating. I was learning how to skate, you know, learning how to stick handle. And I, when I started playing hockey, organized hockey, I... I never saw myself as a goal scorer. I never did. I thought, look, I just want to be on the team. If I can actually skate and not fall down and kill myself or, or stick handle, if I can make a pass and it actually gets to the person. Like, I was just trying to learn to play the game. Something happened. I scored a goal. <laughs> it was a fluke, but I scored a goal, right? And I remember people like, my dad was like, people were yelling, yay. My teammates were like, hey, patting me on the head and on the bum. And it's okay. Hockey players are allowed to do that. It's, we're men, right? And I tell you, like, that was pretty cool, scoring a goal. Then I scored another one. 
And I was like, okay, this is really good. Here's the deal. Here's my point. Scoring a few goals didn't necessarily make me a goal scorer, but it changed, listen, it changed the way I watched the hockey game. My dad and I would sit down every Saturday night in Toronto, uh, you know, hockey night in Canada, watching the Toronto Maple Leafs. I can actually say, which is something that I don't know will happen in my lifetime in, in Vancouver area, uh, that I actually saw at 10 years of age the Toronto Maple Leafs win the Stanley Cup, right? It was there. It was there. It hasn't been back since, but, you know, it, it was there. And, and I just, I, but it changed. Now I started watching my favorite player, Davy Keon. And I was watching the way he scored goals. And I was like, oh, okay. So he made this move and then he went. And then I, I would go back to the ice and I would try to do what I saw. It changed the way I watched the game. Friends, having a harvest heart, harvest heart, should change the way you listen and you hear the Word of God. Because if you go out of here and you actually start sharing your faith and your struggles and, and telling people who Jesus is, every once in a while, some young person or whatever is going to walk out after you leave the class at Quest and want to talk to you for the next 45 minutes. I'm not saying that I scored a goal up there, but you know what? I might get an assist, which is pretty good too. Once you start seeing that in your life, that actually happens. Someone who you had a part in planting, watering, discipling, getting baptized, and coming out of darkness into light, whew, that should change the way you listen here on Sunday or in Bible study, etc. Finally, I would just say this to you, that one of the things that we see from this passage is a famous saying, and really from these words, you should take it this way. Christian, you should take it this way. It works this way. If you don't use it, you could lose it. I'm not talking about your salvation, but I'm talking, if you're a Christian, I'm talking about the joy in the Christian life. And so what you're seeing here in this passage is really simple. Th those who do hear the word, hold it fast, go with a, a harvest heart, they start seeing fruit. They start finding joy. And we, we, we see that, really, it says in verse 8, going back into the parable, it says, and some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. So Jesus is saying, there will be growth in you and in the kingdom of God. A hundredfold, that's an amazing, amazing harvest. And so let me just clarify one other thing here before we get to our last heart. This is not about doing to get, Right? It's not about that at all. Some people can take it that way. It's, oh, yeah, okay, so like if I do, God's going to give me more. Mm. This is actually about giving of yourself, isn't it? Right? This is actually giving of yourself to others so that they will be able to enjoy the salvation that you know and have. They will be close to Jesus like you are. And really, that is Jesus' point here. You, you want more joy in the Christian life? You want to know me more? You want to be with me more? You, you, you want to be sensing me more? then start going where I'm going and doing what I did. That's what he wants to encourage us to do. So lastly, we need to hear with, look at this, an obedient heart. Then his mothers and his brothers came to him, but they could not reach him because of the crowd. And he was told, your mother and your brothers are standing outside desiring to see you. But he answered them, my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God 
and do it. So I'm pretty sure his stepbrother James heard him say this because you heard me last week quote James when James said, guys, don't be hearers of the word only. You must be doers, or otherwise you're deceiving yourself. He got this from his big brother. He got this from Jesus. But it's very interesting the way these are put together, isn't it? And I want to be very careful with this, but I will say this. It's important for us to see this. Again, it's about going to the lost in this world. And so this mother and brothers thing is put in there. His, his mother's outside. Mary is outside. His brothers are outside this house. They can't even get in the house because the crowd is still there. They're just blocking the doors. And they're actually, if you look at some other passages, they're really worried about him. They think maybe he's not eating well. You know, he's not getting enough sleep. He's talking about, you know, being crucified, dying, and then raising again on the third day. The Pharisees, the Sadducees, the religious leaders want him put away, killed if possible. So they're very worried about him. But Jesus has changed the paradigm a bit here. He spoke this into a culture where family was numero uno, number one. Absolutely. It was an idol. Friends, that's what we need to be careful of today as well. Our North American culture wants us us to see our family as an idol. As an idol. I love Focus on the Family. A good friend of mine is president of Focus on the Family Canada. But, but that, that ministry in the United States for many years made, made, made a, a point of making sure that every Christian may, had their priorities set this way. God, of course. God's at the top, most important. My nuclear family second, then the church. I'm going to challenge that. And I'm going to challenge it because of what Jesus says. You're actually part of a new family once you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ. His family. And so I want to suggest to you that, friends, that hierarchy is this. Family, pardon me, God, church, family, your family, others. That's the priority that Jesus gave. It's the the priority that he lived out. It was his disciples, first of all, that he always went to and loved them and cared for them and provided for them. It's not that he didn't love his mother and his brothers. Of course he did. But we have a challenge in our culture today where it's, it can make us divided because I I need to make that. So we see that the obedience aspect is right there in the conclusion. Jesus is saying, you need to have an obedient heart. You need to hear with an obedient heart. So when I hear the Word of God and it tells me to do something, something that's grating against me, something that that preacher keeps bringing up, I need to do it. Because you're not fighting me. You're not fighting the church. We're fighting Jesus. So here's what Jesus wants you and I to know today, I, I, I feel. The lesson that he has for us is that the Christian life is a long-distance race, Right? I'm older than many of you. I've been a Christian since I was 23 years of age. Since I'm 50, 13 years old now, that's 40 years. Okay, I'm 63. That's 40 years. Up and down in my faith and walk with Jesus. But I can tell you, and I'm, I'm, I'm walking behind men and women who I've watched ahead of me who have persevered, and they've given me encouragement and strength, and you need some of those people too in your life today. And so what he wants us to know is, is that it's, it's going to be a challenge. If, you, if you're going to follow me, you're going to experience many of the things that I experienced, much of the rejection that I experienced, persecution that I experienced. You're going to, you're going to wonder if I'm there. 
If God is real, if the Holy Spirit is with you, you need perseverance. Have you ever heard the saying, God will never give you more than you can handle? You ever heard that saying? You realize it's not biblical, right? It's not true. The Scripture teaches in, second, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 that God will not tempt you. God doesn't tempt any of us, but He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you can handle. That's different. That's much different than giving you what you cannot handle. The reality is and the truth is, in 2 Corinthians, Paul tells us this. He says this, For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we are so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Well, he's an apostle. He signed up for that. He's a sent one, which is what apostle literally means. He goes on and said, Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. This is positive thinking, don't you think? It's not going to be a cakewalk. That's why we need this. We need to listen and hear and know how to listen and hear, but we need the church, the family of God. We need each other. Desperately need each other. So think about this just as I close. I want to give you one more passage to encourage you with. But think about it this way. Let's be honest. It doesn't matter what area of life that you want to be really successful at, that you want to be seen to be a finisher, to to achieve your goals, make the NHL, run a marathon, finish, right, and do all those things. You've got to give yourself to it. You've You've got to sacrifice. It's, it's going to be painful before you get there, right? The good news for the Christian is, and I've said this before, but it's very true on this, Jesus never asks us, never asks us to do something that He hasn't been willing to do beyond what we're being called to do, right? He never does. And so, friends, we need to agree with the writer of Hebrews who said these words, and this is my encouragement for you today. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight, every burden, and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Yeah. And then he follows up with this. Looking to Jesus. Not to Glenn, not to any other writer, author, speaker. Looking to Jesus, the founder, look, and the perfecter of our faith. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Amen. Look to him. So let me ask you, is your faith perfect yet? Mine isn't. Mine certainly isn't. So let's, let's do this today. Let's listen to Jesus' word to us today, and let's hear like a missionary. Let's hear with integrity. Let's hear with a harvest heart, and let's hear with obedience. Pray with me, would you?